Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lalita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. Join us at the Virtual Asset Management Summit on June 21st through June 27th. It's a seven-day content-packed event for multifamily operators and asset managers with over 1,500 attendees and over 20 amazing speakers. You will hear from top experts about topics such as construction management, KPIs, refinancing, investor relations, the capital stack, disposition, and so much more. Go to www.amsummit2021.com to grab your free ticket to become the best-in-class operator. Discover the best asset management strategies all in one place. We hope to see you there at the Virtual Asset Management Summit. All right, time to get into our show. On today's show, we have Joseph Fung joining us. Welcome, Joseph. How's it going? Really good. Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to the chat today. Awesome. Same here. Well, before we head into the interview, here's a little bit about Joseph. Joseph is a serial entrepreneur and CEO and founder of Uvaro, which is a tech sales career accelerator. A graduate of the University of Waterloo's computer engineering program, Joseph is a repeat founder and CEO with multiple successful exits and speaks frequently on the topics of sales leadership, diversity, and corporate social responsibility. Today, I know you have a lot in store for our listeners from a very relatable level. So before we start, can you please go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Sure. So I'm a, a repeat entrepreneur, as you did the, made the great introduction there. My background is maybe a little bit different than some of the folks who are listening in today in that my background's not specifically in real estate. I'm fortunate to have made a few investments on the side, but my primary passion has been tech companies. So the tech startup space, that's really where I've really cut my teeth, grown my career. And now we run a school that helps people get into tech companies through sales. Uh, And the part that's been so interesting is we see people coming in from a wide variety of backgrounds, selling advertising, selling Harley Davidson's, and a surprisingly large number of people who either have sold or invested in real estate in a full-time capacity or as a part-time capacity. And so we see these really interesting parallels between tech sales professionals and real estate investing. And I think the conversation is going to be a really fun way to dig into some of those. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm definitely interested in digging into those parallels. We are going to go a little bit off topic today, talk a little bit more about startups and the sales process behind that. But first, tell us a little bit more about your company. Your company is Uvaro. What is Uvaro and why did you decide to start that company? 
Sure. So I've scaled a number of tech companies, all the way from two or three people in a basement selling what we make to hundreds of people around the world. And growing a sales team has always been one of the biggest challenges. People think about getting into tech and they think, do I need to learn to code? And they miss, they don't know that most tech companies hire way more people in sales and marketing than they do in engineering. And so if you do want to get into tech, sales and marketing is a more effective and a more successful way to do so. So we launched Uvaro to help demystify the language, the process of selling technology. It's an online program and it's an intense one. We run our classes two hours a day, five days a week for 12 weeks. But the part that's really interesting is we don't charge tuition until someone graduates and lands a job. So we really are making profitable, successful tech careers accessible to everyone. And it's it's been amazingly rewarding, not just helping companies grow, but helping people overcome a huge change in their life and realize really great success. So it's been it's been a very, very satisfying journey, not just for me, but for the team, especially in a remote work or a work from home environment. It couldn't have been more timely. That's a very interesting business model. Can you dig a little bit deeper into why you decided to go with that business model and what the main strategy is? Yeah. So the, the really big thing is sales roles, unsurprisingly, often have alignment between the employee and the employer. That's why you have commissions. That's why you have bonuses, accelerators. You know, this is nothing new. And when we think about education, wouldn't it be amazing if more of our colleges and universities actually invested in us and put their money where their mouth is, where they charged us when we graduated? We're really trying to do that because we recognize that if you're given the right tools, the right skills, having a successful career in tech is not actually that challenging. And we have so much confidence in our process that we will put our money where our mouth is. The big thing though, and the part that's really exciting about it is everyone talks about the challenges of diversity in tech. And part of it is the stereotypical journey, go to an Ivy League school, get involved in varsity sports, get picked up as a recent grad. That requires a certain amount of wealth, access, connections. And we saw this as a great way to help level the playing field. And so we have amazing gender, age, ethnic background, diversity in our classes, in our graduating classes. And it's been, it's been a really great way to help level that playing field. That's really cool. I love what you're doing there. Talk about the top three or four practices from a sales perspective, any investor or, you know, salesperson really should be practicing. For sure. The number one, and this won't be a surprise to anybody, I'm sure, who's listening in, is investing in yourself. One of the big things that we see is folks who come into our program and go on to tech companies who come from different backgrounds have a different opinion about this. We'll see people who come from maybe a support or an engineering background where they're used to being an employee and they often are surprised about the amount of effort they need to put into their own development and that's a big learning journey for them. And, and that's okay because everyone has a different path. When we see folks come in from a real estate background, an independent investment background, there's this really strong, deep understanding that they need to invest in themselves to be more effective, to be more efficient. And that compounds over time. Uh, and so that's the first one. The second one is storytelling. Very often, people are bad at telling stories. They'll ramble. They'll go for a long time. They don't necessarily put the buyer in the right position. That's one of the areas that we also see a lot of folks with a real estate background do very, very well at, especially residential, because they're used to talking about the people who are selling a house or a home, moving in, you know, what the lifestyle changes. And then the last one, this is the really interesting one that I think is surprising to many, 
is bringing your whole self to the conversation, being truly authentic in the conversation. People tend to think that selling is about dragging everybody over the finish line. And especially in tech, it isn't. Because most tech companies sell on a subscription, they care deeply about customers sticking around. And so if you sell authentically, you sell bringing yourself to the table, you're only going to solve problems that are real. You're not going to force someone over the finish line. That means the customer sticks around and the company wins more too. So all of those things, storytelling, investing in yourself, bringing your whole self to the table, those are all the big buckets that we work (laughs) a lot with our students to help build. Yeah, I love that. I mean, every time I'm talking to a new investor and they ask me how they can get started, we really come from a place of adding value to others, right? Which is essentially being authentic. You're you're not trying to sell someone. You're really trying to help others add value to them. And that is the process I think that is important in sales as well is just adding value to others. That's it. That's absolutely it. One of the things that we, we emphasize is give value first before you ask for anything, whether it's for their email address or for a half hour of their time, give some value first. Yep. So important. So how's sales changed over the last 10 or 20 years? I mean, with technology, it's been a a game changer, obviously. So what were people doing back then that they need to kind of pivot and do better now as a salesperson and be successful? Sure. One of the really big things is the use of technology. And, And this comment is across industry. The technologies we use to everything from selling online using Zoom to tools that automatically record and analyze conversations There is this huge litany of tools available. Sometimes folks think tools are there for the sake of tools, but I'll give you a couple of examples and stats. And these aren't even industry stats. These are within our own companies. When we first built an outside sales team, so folks who are cold calling and emailing to build leads, we all know people can only make so many phone calls, write so many emails in a day, but using more modern tools With the same team, we're able to reach out to almost four times as many prospects. So just the efficiency gains, huge, huge change. Specifically within sales and tech sales more so, there's also been an interesting maturation of the space. I think we went through a bit of a curve and and about 10 years ago really is that right timeframe where people would buy technology because it was moving from a paper process. They needed to catch up with the competition But now there is so much technology. It is so ubiquitous. The quality of the sales experience is actually more important. And so even in that tech niche, we're seeing a lot less order taking and a lot more real sales acumen coming to bear. And that's that's really good to see because that's better for the buyer as well. Yep. 100%. So you are a serial entrepreneur. I kind of think of myself in the same way. I kind of love that background. Talk to us about starting a startup, some key elements in creating that culture within the startup. For sure. So this is my fifth company. I've gone through bootstrapped, venture-backed, sold a couple. I love that you anchored in on culture because it's one of the things that's a common thread throughout all of our companies. And I'm sure you see the same thing. If you build a really good culture, You'll attract the right people and they'll solve problems and treat your customers well. One of the things that I see a lot of entrepreneurs miss is that you have control over your culture. You'll sometimes see leaders say, hey, cultures emerge over time. And I disagree with that vociferously. I think you get to be the master of your own domain. You get to choose your direction. So one of the things that we've always done in each of our companies is documented the culture right away. What are the values we want to live in? What are the the vision, the mission, and the behaviors we'll exhibit? Really good example. Uh, one of our values is honesty. 
And we're really clear. Honesty doesn't mean just not lie. It also means being complete. So if you aren't happy with a decision, if you have a dissenting opinion or a different idea, bring it up. You need to share that. Otherwise, you aren't being complete in your honesty. And we have a whole set of stories and anecdotes that we share with new team members to help them feel comfortable in what we mean by that. And I think if companies don't write that down, if they don't articulate their values and culture early on, they're not going to attract the right people and they'll never be able to, to actually scale and reach breakout velocity. So that's one of the big things that we'll anchor on too. You know, one of the things that I noticed when people are starting the company, they always start with a mission, vision, and values. But I think for me anyways, when I see that, it's just something they go through, they get through, they hang it on the wall, and then that's it. And they don't really live and die by that. How important is it to really live and die by that? And and how do you get it to the point where you actually do and just not forget about it? It's the most important thing. And I completely agree. We see it all the same time. You know, people print it out. It's a poster on the wall. And you ask a random team member, hey, what are your values? And, and they kind of look like a deer caught in the headlights and they, they try and find the poster on the wall. <laughs> it's, yeah, that, that's not what I mean. That's not a really good way to do it. One of my previous companies was in the HR technology space. We built the company to build tools to help you enshrine it in your process. That's how firmly we believe in it. A couple of quick tricks that'll be really helpful. Number one, have a method, a process to share examples of people living the values. If you have a company that uses Slack, you can create a channel where you post them. If you have an email system for the company, you can have an email inbox, a distribution list. If you don't, if you just have regular meetings, hold it in each of your all hands meetings. We, for what it's worth, do all three of those. And as a leadership team, you want to look for specific examples, highlight to the company. These are the examples that we want to share as how people demonstrate the values and you want to make sure you bake it into every step. So we share them at board meetings, in our all hands, during our recruiting process. And at the end of the day, remembering that values aren't just, hey, do we want to sit down and have another beer with this candidate? That's not a good way to measure culture fit. You actually want to sit down and talk about the values and say, are you comfortable doing that? I'll give you an example of one of the stories. I mentioned honesty. One of the stories we share is, this is going back a few years, I've always had an open door policy. You can always come in and speak to me. And we had an employee who took advantage of that and came back and gave me some honest feedback that wasn't comfortable, came into my office near the end of the day, everybody had left and said, Joseph, you're being a jerk. Like the opening sentence, the opening conversation. And his comment was, we talk about work-life balance and you tell everybody, respect that balance, but you're always here late. You're the last one to leave. And so people don't feel like they have permission. And as a result, people feel like you're being a jerk because you're saying one thing and doing something else. I mean, after I let myself calm down and listen to it a little bit more, it was a lot easier to internalize, but we use those stories to share people. Hey, you know, if your CEO is comfortable with someone walking in and calling him a jerk, yes, we're serious about being honest. And that helps the value remind stick in people's mind better than a poster on the wall. And it makes it easier to hire more people who can live those values. Yeah, I think something you touched on there is that it's so important for the CEO and the founder to also live by those principles. They're not just for the employees or the clients. It's for everybody. A hundred percent. I highlight that. One of the things I share with candidates when I'm interviewing them is of our values. There's ones I think I do well, but I'm also really quick to highlight ones that I think I'm struggling with because our values, they're aspirational. 
When you found a company, you're not realizing the vision. You're not realizing the values. These are all things you hope to one day do. So I'm really clear with the team where I think I struggle. One of our values is play and responsibility. Let's have a good time. Let's enjoy what we do. Have fun with each other. But don't forget our accountability to our customers, our stakeholders, our clients. And straight up, I struggle with that because my idea of a good time is getting things done. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to work late. I got to crank it out and build a company. And so I ask the team, help me be better at finding opportunities to play and have fun because that's something I don't do naturally. I think having the humility to know where you're succeeding and where you're struggling makes it easier to let people bring them whole selves to work and then bring their whole selves when they're speaking to clients. Yeah. Awesome. So I know you have an ultimate secret weapon to scaling startups. Can you talk a little bit about what that secret weapon is? The big thing that we always anchor on, anchoring in on culture is a glib, glib comment, but most importantly, giving yourself a really clear list of who are the people you find who match those values. This sounds really low tech, and really silly. But if you articulate those values and keep an explicit checklist of people that you find and you don't, you don't know what role it's going to be, but you're going to hire them and then be explicit about it. It's going to transform your business to put it into brass tacks. As soon as we document our values, I give all of our leaders, all of our co-founders that kind of carte blanche, build a short, short list of people that you meet, that you find that you say, Hey, one day we're going to work together and tell them that share that list. And what'll happen is those people will come back. You'll end up working together. And if you're aligned on those values, everything else, the emails you need to send, the conversations you need to have, the tools you need to learn, all of those are easy. And we've found people and added them to their list, servers that we've met at restaurants, accountants who have been working on projects for us, members of the community that we've met at not-for-profit fundraisers, people that we encounter and we say, you know what? You're on my short, short list of people that I'm going to hire. We're going to work together. And what ends up happening is it comes true and they become the biggest flag bearers of that culture, the vision, the mission, because your products, your services, they'll evolve over time. But the people that you bring into the company, that's the anchor. That's what you got to start with. Mm -hmm. Awesome. What about, so first hires first startups, and I wonder how much it parallels with real estate as well. You know, we struggled with who our first hire should be when we brought on our, our new company. And so how does that work with startups and, and how do you go about growing people? That is such a great question. It, I mean, in many ways, it depends a lot on the founding team. So, I mean, if you think about your strengths and weaknesses, I'm sure you think about it similarly to how I do. Hey, what are the things we need in the company? Where am I strong? Where are my weaknesses? So I think there's a lot of parallels there. Like in investing, you know, there's the need to attract new clients, to to service those clients, to make sure that all your ducks in a row. So I think there's a lot of parallels there. The one big difference that I'd anchor on when we think about tech startups specifically, there's a great analogy written by a much wiser venture capitalist than I, uh, that a tech startup is like a two-engine plane. There's building the product and selling the product. And if you don't have both engines running really well, you're not going to fly straight. A lot of people think about tech startups as get a good bunch of engineers. They're going to build something. And then people give us their credit cards and magic happens. And it's not really that easy. So for me, when I think about those first team members, yes, you need core team members who can wear a lot of hats. They can juggle a lot of balls like any kind of early stage company. You have to stay laser focused, build a really good product and sell 
a good product. You've got to be able to have those conversations with customers. And in early days, it's tough. Selling a product that's really immature requires a level of agility, thinking and problem solving that, you know, is a, is a real, real skill. And when you're talking about launching an investment portfolio, evaluating the merits of a building, a commercial property, just understanding the holistic problem, it's that same type of systems thinking that's necessary to sell a tech product. Uh, that's why, I, that's why I believe there's just so many parallels. The details involved are, are equal on both. Yep. I know you have a deep interest in investing in women-led co- companies. Can you talk more about that? Because I think it's absolutely fantastic, but tell us more about that. Sure. So I've had the good fortune to sell a couple of companies. And like a lot of entrepreneurs, when you, you come out of that tail end, you, you want to give back, you want to get more involved. And so you invest in early stage companies. So I tend to focus on pre-seed and seed software companies where my network and experience can help out. The big thing that I anchor on though is making sure that at least half of the investments that I make are into women-led or founded companies. Uh, and that's been really big because it's helped me get a chance to, to take a look at companies that never would have hit my radar without that focus. People who reach out knowing that focus that's in innovation management space, the, the focus on linguistics and the difficulty in reading and learning a lot of really interesting companies. And I extend that into my philanthropic work as well. Kiva is an amazing platform. If, if you don't want to get deep into startup investing early on, even doing micro loans through Kiva uh, has been incredible and tools like that make it really easy for you to focus on specific areas. So I've set up all of my systems to only alert me to financing opportunities for women entrepreneurs. And then I focused on some countries where we've hired people uh, internationally before. So for example, the Philippines, we've been fortunate to have great team members in the Philippines. uh, And so I tend to focus a lot of my Kiva lending in the Philippines as well. Awesome. Very good. Well, Lolita's going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Absolutely. All right, here we go. What is the one tool you use in your daily work life that you cannot live without? Vidyard. It's such a great tool and being able to send videos, not just emails, makes it so much easier to have a high bandwidth communications. Can you tell us a story about one of your biggest mistakes in early investing and the main takeaway for our listeners? One of the first companies that we invested in was a joint venture and we had it teed up to sell to one of our biggest competitors and realized at the 11th hour that they were setting up a brand new corporation to finance the purchase. And when six hours before everything was supposed to close, they sent us a message that their financing fell through and the deal wasn't going to happen. We realized we had not done enough diligence on the Mm -hmm. governance structure and just didn't have much recourse. And that sucked a lot, but learned a lot from it. Right. (laughs) What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? How many times have you thought there has to be a better way? while working through endless rent rolls and historicals. Enter Red IQ, who will process and standardize them, generate deep and accurate property insights, and bring you through the final underwriting all in just five minutes. As for underwriting, thanks to Red IQ's new Excel add-in called QuickSync, you can continue using your own model and instantaneously populate it with the data from Red IQ with just the click of a button. Request a demo today at RedIQ.com. The big one is we're at this explosive growth journey and straight up, I'm juggling way too many balls. 
So right now we're working on building, bringing in some incredible team members to help pick up some of that slack. So a good way to think about it is we've got the direction. We're in hyper growth as a company, and now we need some new leaders to help us expand even further. Perfect. And finally, Joseph, where can people find out more about you? Easiest way to hit me up is on our website, uvaro, uvaro.com. And personally, I'm on most social media channels at Joseph Hung. Perfect. Well, lots of great information for our listeners. So thank you for that and for being on our show today. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.